Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to keep moving through the book of Acts, uh, doing something a little bit different today, though. Instead of looking at one uh, particular passage that we kind of work through, uh, we're going to look at a man. Uh, we are going to look at a man named Barnabas. So uh, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 11 is uh, where we're going to going to begin, and uh, we're going to be all throughout the book of Acts, so keep your fingers limber and loosened up to be able to flip through the scriptures and look at this guy's life. One of the cool things about looking at a, a guy's life is a lot of times you'll, you'll find these principles, these truths, these commands, these promises in scripture, and uh, you know, man, that, that God, God's working on you to, to obey that. And, uh, but it's, it's neat to sometimes look at how God, how God produced that in a real person. Does that make sense? You know, yeah, you have kind of a real example right in front of you. Say, okay, this is the way Barnabas did it. This is how Barnabas lived out uh, these truths, uh, truths of God in, in, in his own life. And so that's what we're going to be doing today is looking at the man Barnabas in Acts chapter 11. And I'm going to begin reading in uh, verse 19 and go all the way through verse 26. Okay, so Acts 11 verses 19 through 26. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word of God to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist. Okay? That has nothing to do with Helen Gabriel. That has to do with being a Greek. Okay? That's what a Hellenist is. Okay? So these are Greek non-Jews. Does that make sense? And so this is new for the church. First time this has happened. Okay? Uh, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So they sent Barnabas to check this out. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's where it started, right there. Cool. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us opportunity today to be in your word. And uh, God, I pray that you would make, make us like Barnabas. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would convince those in this room that they can and that they should be people who help other people progress in their faith. Uh, Father, I pray that we would be that for others. Thank you for those that have been that for us, and God, help us to be that for others. In Jesus' name, amen. I've told you before that Haddon and I, we like to watch the uh, Mount Everest expeditions on Netflix. Uh, we don't have the channel that they're on, and so we, we get them on Netflix. But uh, that, we really like to watch it. It's, it's watching uh, the teams of people that try to summit Mount Everest. Okay? Not everybody makes it. Only a handful of people of those who try uh, make it each year. And uh, they've got that on. You can, you can watch that on National Geographic. I think some other people, Discovery Channel, put out some, some of the basically documentary on, on the people climbing Everest. One of the things that's interesting to me about that is the person who is, who is actually kind of leading the expedition never actually climbs the mountain. 
Uh, he stays at base camp, okay? And he, and he stays there for some pretty good reasons. First of all, it's a lot easier to think clearly at 17,000 feet than it is at 28,000 feet, okay? At 28,000 feet, you're just trying to stay alive, all right? And so, so they've determined that to have a guy down lower that's thinking clearly and, and kind of leading the expedition is better than having him on the team, okay? And so, so he leads the team by a couple of different ways. Number one, he's got a telescope, and, and, and he watches them. Okay, and then and then he's able to communicate with some of his Sherpas uh, through radio. Okay, that, that's basically how he leads the expedition. Now, some of you are going to say, "How could you effectively lead people that that you're you're miles from and thousands of vertical feet from?" And, and to answer that question, let, let me tell you the number one thing that he looks at to see if things are going okay, if they, if they, if things are are, are are okay with his his people, his guys, is is this one factor: Are they progressing. That's, that's what he looks for. Are they progressing? You see, as he watches them on telescope, he's making marks of, of, of where they are, you know, and where each one of them is. And when he sees that one person hasn't moved in a while, he gets real nervous. Okay. He gets real nervous because here's the thing. Staying still on Mount Everest is not an option. If you stay still, you die. It's over. You're, you're either going up or you're coming down. But if, if you stay still for too long, you're a dead man. And so the thing he looks at is progress, okay? Progress. Now, as we look at the book of Acts, what we see is progress. We see the progress of the gospel. It happens in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the, the, the Spirit of God descends upon the church. There's an explosion of evangelism. Thousands of people are one to the Lord right there in Jerusalem. And then you know what happens? It begins to progress, okay? The gospel begins to go into Samaria. And it begins to go to Ethiopia. And it begins to go here to the Hellenists, to the Greeks. And then it begins to go all throughout the world. And it's still pushing out to the four corners of the, of the world right now today, okay? That's the progress of the gospel. And Jesus himself said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. What he means by that is there will be progress with the gospel in the church, okay? But what you also see in the book of Acts is progress among believers, okay? You see a guy like, like Saul who hates Christians, who doesn't believe in Jesus, and in Acts chapter 9, he's born again, and you see him begin to progress in his faith. You see him begin to understand the word of God and, and to learn to, to, to minister to people and to preach and to, and, to, and to be on mission for God. And you see his own progress in the gospel. And in fact, what the Bible would tell us very clearly is that there is a natural progression that should be happening in every Christian's life, okay? What that means is you should not, you should never stay in the same spot spiritually. You should always be progressing. Let me show you that in a couple different places, okay? Second, Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Peter's talking about adding to, to your, your Christian life different, different characteristics of the Spirit, okay? And in verse 5, he says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement, or if you have the New American Standard, it says add, add to your faith virtue. And virtue, add knowledge. And knowledge, self-control. And self-control, steadfastness. And steadfastness, godliness. And godliness, brotherly affection. And brotherly affection, love. Do you see this? I mean, you're you're progressing in the Christian life. You're adding these qualities, these characteristics to your Christian life. And then in verse 8, it says, if these qualities are yours and are, what's that next word? Increasing. Okay? If they're increasing. 
then they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter tells us that your Christian life ought to be a progress, okay? It ought to be you increasing, you growing, you adding these Christian characteristics, these, these Spirit of God characteristics to your life, and they ought to be increasing. And if they're not increasing, that means trouble. If they are increasing, that means you'll be effective and you'll be fruitful in the ministry of God, okay? And let me show you some other places. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, uh, 9 and 10. Paul says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. We'd probably all raise our hands and say, Yeah, that's true of us, right? You've been in church long enough, probably that you, you know you ought to love your brother. You've been taught. You, you're convinced of that. Verse 10 says, For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. So Paul says, Not only do you know that you ought to love your brother, but you guys are doing it. And I could say that about many of you, couldn't I? I mean, I could look at your small group and I could look at, at the way you, you, you handle your week, your, your Sunday through Saturday. And I say, yeah, man, you're, you're a person who loves his brother. You, you're actively loving your brother. Okay, but listen to what Paul says. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. You ever met anybody that's never content? You know, sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, I, I got my little Avery. We have lots of talks about contentment, don't we, Avery? And uh, no, you don't have to come up here. Yeah, she's ready, man. See, she's ready to go. She's ready to progress. So what do you want, Dad? I like that. I like that. But, but the thing about Avery is she's driven, okay? Now, now, part of that, you know, we have to have a lot of talks about what things should you be content in, what should, things should you not be content in. But Avery just has one of those natural spirits that she's driven. I mean, she's always, what's the next thing? Where are we going? You know, what, what, what are we going to do? And, you know, I mean, she's always that, Okay. That's really a good thing in your spiritual life. You, you, you shouldn't say, oh, yeah, I got this love of the brother thing. No, you don't got it. Paul says more and more. You know, you, you ought to be increasing. You ought to be growing in your love for Christ. That, that's the whole premise of the book of Acts. The premise of the book of Acts is that the gospel goes forward. It progresses. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It doesn't stop there. In all Judea, but it doesn't stop there. And in Samaria, but it doesn't stop there. And to the end of the earth. You know, Jesus says, you ought to push the gospel. He says, Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, you ought to be pushing the gospel. You say, well, there's churches everywhere. doesn't matter. You ought to be pushing the gospel to the ends of the earth. There ought to be gospel progress. How about practical things like your Bible? Should there be progress in you and your Bible? You better believe it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. says, if I, Paul says, I fed you with milk and not solid food. He's talking about the Bible. For you're not ready for it. And even now you're not ready. He's scolding them because they're not ready for solid food. In Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, we find the same principle. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. I visited the Culps last night. Uh, Andrew and Angie got a new little baby, Byron. He's about 6 pounds, uh, 19 inches. I, I really, I was convinced you know, Andrew's like eight feet tall. I was convinced that this little guy would come out like, you know, 27 inches or something, you know. And he's just 19, he's just tiny, you know. And, and Andrew was holding him last night. He was holding him in one hand. Andrew's got a great big hand. He was holding little Byron in one hand. And we were, we were praying for him and talk, talking with the family there. And, and here's the thing. They put him in his little, his little car seat deal and, and, and Angie went over and it was feeding time and they had ribeyes and she was cutting him off some ribeye and she was dipping that in some A1, you know, putting it in his mouth. That's not what she was doing. You know why? Babies need milk, right? But if in 15 years when little Byron is in our student ministry, if he goes to Falls Creek 
And, and everybody calls together, and Motzik's been cooking brisket for us. And, and some of you are saying, they got brisket at Falls Creek? I think I might sign up. I hope you do, okay? But Motzik calls us together for brisket, and little, little Byron comes, 15-year-old, strapping probably by then. He'll be seven feet tall. He, he comes up the table, and he pulls out his, a bottle out of his backpack, you know, with milk in it. We got a big problem, don't we? There's been a monumental failure to progress. Paul's saying that about the Word of God. You still at the same spot you were when you became a Christian with this? Can you handle it? Handle it, I mean, can you use it? You know, can, 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 can you navigate through the Word of God and say, well, let me, let, me, let me show you what it says about Jesus, and let me show you what it says about the Holy Spirit, and let me, let me show you this passage over here about, about serving Christ, and let me show you what it says about marriage, and let me show you what it says about parenting, and are, are you progressing? Now, nobody starts out that way. Nobody gets saved and all of a sudden they, they know where to find Ezekiel. No, nobody does. We all progress. And Paul says, are you still on milk? Or you ought to be on me. What's he saying there? He's saying there's a problem if you're not progressing in the Christian life. You know what? There's a problem if our church isn't progressing. There's also problems with progressing, isn't there? You know, some of you have been, been with us. Some of you have been here longer than I have, a lot, a lot of you. And, and you know what's hard? Progress. You know why progress is hard? Because there's 250 more people at Lincoln Avenue now than there was when I came 14 years ago. That's a great thing, by the way. That's a great thing. That's also a hard thing because it changes everything. You know, we used to be in one service on one campus, and now we're in three services. And we, we, we used to be just one campus, now we're two campuses. We used to be just one pastor, now we're three pastors. And, and that changes the dynamic of everything. You know, and, and so sometimes we're just like, ah, you know, we just get comfortable with something and then it all changes. You know what? That's a good thing. You know why that's a good thing? Because hopefully what that means is we're progressing. We're reaching people. We're, we're, we're drawing in more people. And as we draw in more people, we got, we got to change because, you, you know, ministering to this amount of people is different than ministering, ministering to this amount of people. And, and if God would so bless us to minister to this amount of people, we'll have to change again. You know, but, but, but here's, here's the thing. The book Acts says, that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. You don't want 17-year-olds drinking milk. Well, drinking just milk. How about that? Okay. Finally, they drink milk, but not, not just on the bottle. You want, you want to eat meat. And in the same way, we need to grow. We need to progress. Now, how does the church progress? Well, the easy answer to that is spirit of God, word of God. Okay. Right. That's how we progress. That's how we move forward in the Christian life. But let me tell you something. God uses people to help other people move forward in the Christian life. Did you know that? I want you to be one of those people. I want you to be one of those people that helps somebody else. One of those people that's continually helping to move other people forward in the Christian life. Barnabas was one of those people. What do we, what do we call those people? Well, you could call them leaders I'm probably not going to call them leaders. You know why? Because anytime you mention the word leader, you know what people think of? A position. Let me tell you, leadership is not a position. It's not. Le- leaders are people that, that influence others to move forward, okay? That's what a leader is. And whether you have a position or not really does not matter whether you're a leader. A leader is people who help other people move forward in their faith. Did you know that Barnabas 
had no position. I can't find anywhere in the, in, in the Bible that it refers to him as a deacon or a pastor or a small group leader or a Sunday school teacher. I mean, he just said, did you know that we don't have any sermons by Barnabas? This, this guy was kind of an off-the-radar guy. We don't have any sermons. We got all kinds of sermons by Peter. We got sermons by Stephen. We got sermons by Paul. We, we don't have any letters that Barnabas wrote. We don't have any of those. We got 13 letters that Paul wrote right there in our Bible. We've got zero from Barnabas. Really, the only teaching we have is in the passage I just read to you in verse 23. It says he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord and with steadfast purpose. That's probably the biggest chunk of teaching that we have about Barnabas in the Bible. And yet what I want to tell you is Barnabas was incredibly influential in helping the church and helping believers move forward in their faith. How did he do that? Without a position, without sermons, without 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 written things that people would read, letters that he wrote. How how did he do that? Barnabas was an encourager. Did you hear that? An encourager. Okay. That that, that starts way back in Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four, verse 36 uh, talks. That's the first time we we meet this guy. It says, thus Joseph, who was called by by the apostles, apostles, (laughs) Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Okay. His name was Joseph, but nobody called him Joseph. Everybody called him Barnabas. Why? Because Barnabas in, in that language means son of encouragement. We had a guy in high school. His name was Brent. Nobody called him Brent. You know what they called him? Sporto. You know why they called him Sporto? Because Brent played every sport. That's why they called him Sporto. He, 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 was, he was state champion linebacker on the state championship football team. He, he, was, he was awesome at baseball. He was track and field uh, star. Uh, he was a basketball player, really good at basketball. Halfway through our high school, about junior year or so, he switches from basketball to wrestling because you could only play one or the other. So he plays basketball for half of his high school career, and then he wrestles. He ends up being a, a state runner-up wrestler on a state wrestling chip, uh, state wrestling uh, championship team. I mean, the, the guy played all. So why they, they call him Sporto? Okay, Barnabas. Why didn't they call him Joseph? Because he was such an encouraging guy, they called him encourager, okay? That's what they called him. That's, that's the encourager, okay? That, that's, what, that's what characterized Barnabas' leadership. That's how he influenced people. That's how he helped them move forward in their faith was he was an encourager. Now, what does an encourager do? Well, an encourager helps people move forward, okay? There's a lot of things that keep us from moving forward. Did you know that? What's keeping you from moving forward in your Christian life? You know what it is for a lot of people? It's sin, Right? You got some sin that's kind of stopped you, you know? You got something in your life you don't want to let go of. You got something in your life you don't want to do, and God's told you to do it, and you're in rebellion against Him, and you can't move forward. You can't move forward when you're in sin. If you're, if you're stuck in pride, if, if you're in, in pride and you're, you're, you're prideful about something, you can't move forward. If you're stuck in lust, if you're stuck in greed, if you're stuck in covetousness, you can't move forward in, in your faith. And in fact, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us you can't run with sin wrapped around your legs. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. How are you going to run with endurance the race that's set before you? You've got to lay aside the sin. Okay, so sin keeps us from going forward. Uh, what else keeps us from going forward? How about, uh, how about trials? Yeah, you ever trying to move forward in your, in, in your Christian life? And you're starting to read your Bible and you're just starting to pray and you're just starting to, to, to be involved in a small group and all of a sudden the bottom falls out of your life. <laughs> Things get tough. They get really hard. And you start to get kind of upset with God and you're distracted and you're weary. And so it keeps you from moving forward. You're sick. 
Maybe a love for the world, the pleasure of the world distract us. But here's what encouragement does. Encouragement comes alongside. Actually, that's what the word encouragement means. Periclesis. To come alongside. It comes alongside somebody and it helps them move forward. I've told you this illustration before, but it's just the best one I've got. I'm going to tell it again. It really speaks a lot to me. I was on a bike ride with uh, Pastor Andrew and uh, Randall and Dr. Kirkendall. And, uh, it, was, it was a 100-mile ride. We were about 90 miles into it. And the last 10 was uh, up a mountain pass, Bobcat Pass, over by Red River. And, man, I was quitting. Okay? I was quitting. I was done. I was ready to stop. Okay? Pastor Andrew... He just flies by. He's like a rocket. You know, there he goes. I don't see him again until the end. Doc, let me tell you about Randall. Randall's eating ice cream at this time. I just want you to know what he's doing. I, I didn't want to leave him out, but he's eating ice cream. That's his, his power fuel. It only works for Randall. Doc comes alongside me. He could be up with, with Andrew, but he comes alongside me and encourages me. So I'm quitting. I'm stopping. I got no more. My tank's done. My lungs are burning. My legs are shot. But he comes alongside and he's encouraging me. And, he, and he's telling me to go forward. And, he, and he's, he's telling me, he, he keeps doing this tricky thing where he says, oh, you know what? I, th- I think the top's right around the corner. And we get around that corner. He's like, oh, I think it's the next corner. You know, we get around that one. He's like, I know it's got to be the next one. You know, and he keeps telling me stuff like that. And he prays, prays for all my family, prays for him, prays for each kid. You know, he, he just prays. And he's what, what he's doing is he, he's, he's riding beside me and he's helping me to keep going. That's what an encourager does. And in your spiritual life, that happens a lot of different ways, okay? You're stopped. You're stalled out. You're not going anywhere. Someone comes alongside. You know what they do? They encourage you by, by giving you reasons why you ought to keep going. Anybody ever do that? You know, you're like, I, I'm just got too many trials. And someone comes alongside and says, man, don't give up because here's what Jesus will do. And here's what the Bible says. And here's what you can trust. Or, or they, they warn you about the dangers of stopping. Anybody ever do that? I mean, you're just shot in your Christian life and you're angry with God and you're just stopped. You're not going anywhere. And then an encourager comes up and just very gently says, man, you know what the Bible says? Don't do this. Don't stay here. Don't give way to sin. Don't fall away. Or, or maybe they come alongside and they give you resources. They give you just, hey, here's what you need to do. You know, here's what God helped me when I was in that spot. Here's what God did for me. But, but, but they, they enable you. They come alongside and enable you to move forward. Now, most, almost always, that means they use the Word of God. Okay? Let, let me tell you what the Bible says about encouragement, about itself. Romans 15, verse 4 says this. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. What does this Bible do? It encourages us. Through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope is a confident expectation of good things to come. And so when you're stopped, when you're stalled out, when the bottom's dropped out of your life, and you feel like, I can't go forward anymore in my Christian life, I'm just stuck in this spot. The scriptures give us encouragement and hope to keep going. Okay, so so it almost always, almost always means the scriptures, and it did with Barnabas. I'm, I'm not going to go through these verses, but in Acts 13 we see Barnabas is a teacher of the Word of God. In Acts 11 he's teaching the Word of God. In Acts 14:25 it says he's speaking the Word of God to people, and so so Barnabas is is using the Word of God, speaking it into others' lives to help them move forward, to help them progress in the Christian life. Now, 
How does this practically look in Barnabas' life? Well, let's look at some real-life examples here, okay? Acts chapter 11. Uh, again, he comes to this, uh, this church in Antioch. And, and, and you know the first thing that he does? And this is a lesson for us. He discerns where these people are at. The reason they sent him to Antioch was that the Holy Spirit had fallen there, the gospel had gone there, and all these non-Jewish people were getting saved. Well, the church at Jerusalem wasn't sure to think, what to think about that. So they sent Barnabas to check it out. When Barnabas gets there, it says he saw, look at, look at verse 23, and when he came, he saw the grace of God. This is chapter 11, verse 23. He saw the grace of God, and he was glad. So the first thing he does is he says, you know what? You know what I see happening here? This is God. God's at work. This is the grace of God. And it says he was glad. And then you know what he does? He sees where they are, and then he pushes them forward. It says and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord. What's that mean? Keep going. And with steadfast, with steadfast purpose, keep going. So, so he, he discerns where they're at, and then he moves them forward. You know what? If you're going to be an encourager, that's what you need to do. You need to figure out where somebody's at, and then move them forward. Did you know there's always a next step for everybody? Right? In there? In your Christian life? There's always a next step. And what you got to figure out is, what's the next step? What's the next step for Raymond Bob? You know, he's been a Christian for 10, or 10 years or so, 15 years. What's the next step in his Christian life? So somebody needs to be close enough to that brother where they figure out what's happening in his life. What's happening with his reading of the Word of God? What's happening with his prayer life? What's happening with his marriage? What's happening with his, his job at Ace Hardware? And what's the next step? What, what does Raymond need to get, get him going forward? I'm not saying he's not already going forward. I'm just using him as an illustration. Well, everybody's like, what's wrong with Raymond? I thought he was doing fine, you know. Bonnie. Bonnie's been Christian a long time, right? Long time. I mean, she's young. She's only 40, but she's been a Christian 30 of those years. Been, been leading worship for a long time here in, in, in Lincoln Avenue. What's the next step for Bonnie? Is it that she's just been a Christian for a long time and so she just, right where she is, she's not going to go forward anymore? That's anti-Bible right there. God wants Bonnie going forward. Who's going to help Bonnie? Who's going to help her move forward? What's the next step for her? You know what? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, from right up here, even though I, I may not even know your situation, I can tell you, the next step for you is to repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ. Okay? That's the next step for you. But those of you who are believers, what, what's the next step? What is your, what is your next step? We've got to discern that. And if you're going to be an encourager, that's what you've got to figure out. Husbands, you want to love your wives, right? You want to be encouraged in their faith. You want to be a catalyst for them to move forward. Okay, in order to do that, we've got to figure out, where's my wife at spiritually? What's happening? You know, I've got, got to figure that out. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. I've got to figure out what's the next step for Emma. And how can I encourage her forward in her faith? If you got kids, okay, what's the next step for your kids? And, and you know what? However many kids you have, that's how many answers you have, okay? Because no, no kid is in the same spot. So I got to figure out where Haddon is. And I got to figure out what Avery is and where Haven is and where Hannah is and where Addie's. Where, where are they at in their faith? And how can I move them forward in their faith? Okay? That, that's what Barnabas does. Now, let me give you a couple examples of this. Turn to Acts 9. Acts 9. Are you ready? Real life example. Saul gets saved. Okay? Saul gets saved next nine. We looked at that last week. Now, what's the next step for a person that gets saved? Well, you could say they, they need to start reading their Bible. Sure, they need to understand who God is. They need to understand who Jesus is. They need to understand how to pray. But really, 
All of that happens in a context, doesn't it? You know where all that happens? In a church, right? Not in the building, but with the people of God, right? So, so the next step for Saul is he needs, he, needs, he needs spiritual friends. He needs Christ in our relationships. He needs to be in a small group. He needs to be in a Sunday school class. So you know what he does? Verse 26, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. He, he goes. He knows. That's the next step for me. And so he goes and, and, he, and he attempts to join the disciples. But guess what happens? They're all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, some of you have had some bad experiences in church. I bet you've never had that one, you know? How many of you said, man, you, you moved to a town. You said, I want to go to church. And then you call First Baptist Church. And you say, you know, hello, you know, I'm new to town. I'd, I'd like to come. Where are you guys located? And the person just hangs up, you know? And you call back and you say, well, I'd like to come. Tell me where you're at. And they're like, we're not going to tell you. Click, you know, that's a bad deal. You know, <laughs> you're trying to come to church and they won't have you. Now, 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 let's give these guys a break. You're thinking, man, this is a rotten church, okay? But remember, Saul's got a history, doesn't he? He's been a Christian killer. Remember Stephen, beloved deacon in the Jerusalem church? Saul was one of the ones holding the garments of the guys that were stoning him and killing him. Now, now, let me ask you this. If we had a beloved member of Lincoln Avenue who was killed by people because they hated Jesus, how would you feel about that guy coming? Kenny Bowers, man, what a, what a beloved servant of this church. Been here a long, long time. Passed away this last year. What if Kenny had not died of cancer? What if he had died because someone hated Jesus and they killed him? And then what if that guy who killed him shows up at Adult Force Small Group? That's interesting, isn't it? Spin that a little different. What if everybody's not quite sure whether this guy is really a believer? Or whether he's just here trying to get names so he can throw us in jail. So there's some big obstacles in there. So, so Saul wants to be in, in part of a church. He wants to be a part. Of, that's the next step for him. But he's got an obstacle. He can't go. He's trying, but they, they won't accept him. What's an encourager do? Comes alongside, right? Moves him forward. Look at, look at what Barnabas does. Verse 27, Acts 9. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the, to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord and spoke to him. And how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem. He finally, he finally gets to go to church. You know how he gets to go? Barnabas brings him. Okay? Barnabas picks him up and takes him. And he walks in and everybody's like, ah, he found us. And Barnabas like, no, 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 no. He's good. He's good. This guy's a true believer. You know? And he starts introducing him. You know? And he... Takes him to Gary and introduces him. Takes him to Michelle and introduces him. You know, he says, let me tell you about this guy's testimony. He's on the Damascus Road. And there's a bright light. And Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he begins to recount his testimony. But you know what he's doing? He's bringing him into fellowship. Some of you are really good at that here at Lincoln Avenue. Some of you could be good at it. You just need some help. Okay? But there's some of you that are already really good at that. You're really good at bringing people and grabbing them. Not physically, please don't do that, okay? But metaphorically, you know, you, you, you encourage them into the fellowship. Hey, come to our small group. Hey, several of us are getting together after church. Come, come, come eat with us. Hey, come over to our house. We're having a Bible study. Hey, let's go to lunch this week. You know what you're doing? You're drawing people into the fellowship, okay? Barnabas did that, all right? He didn't stop there, though. You know what he does later on? Uh, he, 
Paul gets involved in the Jerusalem church, but through his preaching the gospel, he gets in trouble from the authorities, and so he has to leave. Okay? Then later in Acts chapter 11, when, uh, when, when, when Barnabas gets called to Antioch and things are really exploding there for the gospel and things are going great, you know what Barnabas does? He says, you know what? You know who'd be really good here? You know who'd be good in ministry? You know who'd be good teaching here? That guy named Paul. So he leaves and he goes and finds him and he brings him back. And he puts him in ministry. And we need people to do that at Lincoln Avenue. You know what we need at Lincoln Avenue? We need some people that are really good at children's ministry. And we need those people who are really good at teaching children and have done it a long time. We need those people to say, okay, I'm going to sign up for VBS this year. And I'm going to sign up. Teacher, first grade, sign my name. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to think of somebody who's pretty new to the faith. Maybe somebody that's not new to the faith, but they just need help getting into service. That's the next step for them. I'm going to sign their name up underneath. Now, do you have to ask them? Nah, just sign their name up. Well, you probably should. I guess it depends. You probably should ask them. You probably should ask them. I'd take that back. You know, ask them first and then sign up their name under yours as helper. And then you know what you do? You teach that class together. You know, and Monday you t- or Sunday you teach it. And then Monday you, you give them a little role in it. And then Wednesday you're like, hey, you got it tonight. You know, I'll be there and I'll help you. But, but you teach it. You know what you're doing? Just what Barnabas did. Pulling somebody in. Next step. Next step. Next step. Next step. That's what it means to be an encourager. That's what it means to to be a guy who helps others progress in their faith. Now, let me just warn you. Doing that can be costly, okay? Costly personally. Uh, Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, he's giving away property. He's giving away his retirement fund. Minister to others. It's costly to invest in other people. Uh, You know, a real interesting way that it was costly for Barnabas was... Barnabas pulling other people into the ministry knocked him out of the spotlight. This is one of my favorite things about Barnabas, is that he was okay with this happening, okay? In Acts chapter 12, for instance, let me give you an example. Verse 25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, okay? So when it first starts out, it's always Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul did this. Barnabas and Saul were teaching. Barnabas and Saul were going on a missionary trip. But you know what happens eventually? The gifts of the Apostle Paul are so great. God's given him such great gifts that Paul begins to exceed Barnabas in influence. And by Acts 13, verse 13, look what happens. Now Paul and his companions set sail. That's... That's not impactful to you, is it? I mean, I'm expecting... (gasps) That's a big deal. You don't think it's a big deal? It is. Let me tell you, some of us would have a big struggle right there. What if you'd had a certain ministry? It'd been yours, you know? And and you pulled somebody else in, and they did such a great job that pretty soon it was their ministry. And your name got taken out of the bulletin, you know? Uh, Come on, raise your hand. Who would say, all right, that would really tick me off, okay? Okay, nobody raised their hand, but you're lying. Some of you, that would really upset you, you know? I mean, you had this ministry, you'd had this position, and you did the right thing. You, You encouraged somebody, and you brought them in, and you helped them get started. 
pretty soon, they, it was theirs. I mean, nobody did it. God just did it. Barnabas was okay with that. Isn't that cool? You know why? Because Barnabas wasn't worried about his own exaltation. He's worried about Jesus' exaltation. That's the kind of people that are really impactful in the kingdom. All right, last point. Last thing I love about Barnabas is that in, in encouraging people forward, he was willing to be patient. He was willing to be patient in, in, in the progress of certain people. Now, let, let me tell you a fact that's true. Not everybody progresses at the same speed. True? Not everybody progresses at the same speed. I, I, was, I was leaving the 830 service last week, and I was going to 5th Street. I was running a little bit behind. And I got on Madison, and I got behind somebody that was going nine miles per hour consistently. I'm not talking about they slowed down to nine miles an hour for a dip or something. I'm talking about that's maximum velocity is nine, okay? Now, let me just put this in perspective. I am a bad runner. I can run nine miles an hour, okay? I could have stopped my car, got out, and passed this guy on foot, okay? That's how slow he was going. In fact, in fact, I even, and I'm glad... Well, I'll just go ahead and admit it. I, I, I went over a block and beat him, okay? I mean, that, that's how slow he's going. But he was progressing, but just not at the same speed as everybody else, okay? Now, here's what's true about spiritual, spiritual life. Not everybody progresses at the same speed, do they? And, and not everybody's progression looks like this, right? Some people's progression kind of goes and then dips and goes and dips and goes back a little and... Go forward and back and forward and back and then goes up a little. I mean, that, that's just the way people are. And if you're going to be an encourager, you've got to be patient with that. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter uh, 12, verse 25. Barnabas and, and Saul are, are going on a mission trip. And, and they come back from Jerusalem and they, they bring this young guy named John Mark. Okay? Young guy named John Mark. And John Mark goes with them on the first missionary trip. The church at Antioch says, hey, we're going to be a church planning church. Hey, Lincoln, we need to say that, by the way. We need to be, the more I read Acts, we, we need to be a church that's saying, we want to push the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we, we need to plant churches. We need, we need to send our people. Okay? And, and that's what they're doing. And so they send them. And, and John Mark goes. But halfway through the trip, John Mark bails out. He quits on them. Verse 13 of chapter 13, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them. John goes home. He quits. He goes home to mom. He moves back into the basement. He plays video games all day. Gets a part-time job. I mean, he, he bails out on the ministry, okay, for whatever reason. Well, Paul and Barnabas finish their missionary trip. It's a great success. They come back to Antioch. They're preaching the word there. And in verse 36 of chapter 15, it says, After some days, Paul says to Barnabas, Hey, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So, so Paul says, Hey, Barnabas, let's go on another mission trip. Barnabas says, Yes, all right. And then, you know, the next thing Barnabas says, Let's take John Mark. You know what the next thing Paul says? No way. Okay? Now, there's a big debate in Scripture. Who, which one of those guys is right? They're both right. Let, let me tell you why. You know what Paul's thinking of? Paul's thinking of how do we progress the gospel to the world? And, and John Mark kind of blew it last time. So Paul's, Paul's wanting guys that are going to go and be faithful and finish the task. Okay? You know what Barnabas is thinking about? How do I get John Mark from where he's at here, playing video games in the basement of his mom's house? to hear. That's his whole life, isn't it? 
is he's doing that. So you know what ends up happening? Barnabas takes John Mark. Paul takes Silas. They go different directions. And the, the gospel spreads. I'm really glad Barnabas did that. You know, what, you, you know why I'm really glad about that? Because you've got four gospels in your New Testament, don't you? You've got Matthew. You've got Luke. You've got John. What's the fourth one? You've got Mark. That's the Mark right there. Barnabas saw something in this guy. And he says, I'm going to help this guy go from here to here. Man, don't you want to be that person? Did you see the value of that ministry? Let me close with two questions, okay? First of all, what's your next step? Okay? You need, you need to be going forward. If you're, if, you're, if you're just staying in the same place spiritually, that's a bad deal. That's a bad sign for what's happening in you, okay? That's a bad sign. You need to be moving forward. Okay, what's your next step? Second question, how can you help somebody else take their next step? How can you be like Barnabas? Maybe that's pulling them into fellowship. Maybe that's pulling them into ministry. Maybe that's encouraging them with the Word of God. Maybe that's encouraging them to, to, to get through some sin. Maybe that's encouraging them to get their life right. But how can you help somebody else take their next step? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, the Word of God uh, that is such an encouragement to our souls, God, that keeps us moving forward, that keeps us battling sin, that keeps us serving Christ the King. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you, Father, for other believers who, who you use to keep us progressing. God, we don't want to stop. We don't want to stop as a church. And God, we don't want to stop as individuals. God, we want to move forward with the gospel. Father, I pray that you call up, raise up encouragers from this body of believers. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.